It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Auburn signing Percy Lewis makes their offensive line significantly better. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining us as he does every single Friday, we are dapping it up with Daryl Dapperich, Montgomery radio legend. Later in the show, Elijah McAllister, former Auburn Jack linebacker. Um, I think it's a great interview and conversation with Elijah, so stay tuned for that. Daryl Auburn signs that ever elusive offensive tackle via the portal. They land Percy Lewis, the transfer tackle from Mississippi State. We got wind earlier in the day yesterday that he canceled his visit to Tennessee, and it was kind of down to Auburn and Tennessee. Auburn lands him, a true left tackle who I believe will start at left tackle, and he will make Auburn's offensive line significantly better in 2024. Yeah, you could read the tea leaves when late last night word came out that he canceled his Tennessee visit yep. that was scheduled for this weekend. It was down to Auburn and Tennessee, so I'm not a recruiting analyst, but even I was able to connect the dots on that one and figure that he was going to – I put in a crystal ball at that point, Zach, that he was going to Auburn. So here's what happens. It is significant and huge on two fronts. Number one, I feel like it significantly improves – two positions along the offensive line. That's it. You have just gotten better in two spots because you slide Dylan Wade over to guard. And so you've absolutely just gotten better on two fronts on the offensive line. That's huge. One, you know, getting two for one. Secondly, I've said this time and time again, it's a tale as old as time, my friend. Peyton mm-hmm. Thorne throws right-handed. It's very, very crucial that your left offensive tackle is your best offensive tackle from a pass protection PFF grade. That's your blind side. Thornton's done a really good Thor, – Peyton Thornton's done a really good job rolling out to the right and escaping pressure. That's where Lewis plays is the left side, the offensive tackle on, on, the, on the left side. So I really love this because of that. So those two aspects, getting better in two positions on the offensive line, and him protecting Peyton Thorne's blind side, it, to me, make this massive. And he is a, speaking of massive, a pretty massive dude. Yeah, 6'8", 345. I mean, he is huge. He is huge. And just looking at what he did at Mississippi State, he's a better pass blocker than he is a run blocker based off of everything that I've been able to see. And this guy seems like he's approaching his decision as, as a pro as we're kind of seeing for a lot of these upperclassmen via the transfer portal. Daryl, this is huge. So now looking at Auburn's offensive line, let's guess going to spring, I think it's going to be Percy Lewis at left tackle. I think it's going to be Dylan Wade at left guard, Connor Liu at center. That right guard, I think, is wide open right now. But right now, I will guess that it's Jeremiah Wright. That's where I'm going to start with right now. We'll see what happens over the course of the next few weeks. Then obviously at right tackle, your starter from a year ago is Xavier Miller, too tall Miller. And just to me, not only those five guys, but some of the depth that's behind these starting five offensive linemen, Auburn is just in such a better situation 
than they were a year ago. So hats off to the staff and hats off to offensive line coach Jake Thornton for getting these guys here. Yeah, I think you could put DeAndre Carter in the two deep. You could put Sedna in the two deep. You could put um, Muskrat in the two deep. I mean, that's where that right guard position, like you talked about, I think Muskrat and Wright are going to have a probably the most looked at spring yeah. battle is, the, is there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, th that's awesome. I mean, there's depth there. There's two deep there. Um, I love it. And I think it's, it's you know, all along, we felt like one more offensive lineman was crucial for Auburn. Mm -hmm. And they got a good one. They got a guy that, you know, here, here's the thing. You talk about his pass pro being more effective and grading higher than run blocking. Well, you know, that's the area that Auburn needed the most help, in my opinion. I mean, I think your running backs are so elite. They can make a dude mad. I mean, you don't have to have elite pass blocking to get some of these dudes downhill. They've shown I also they can do think it. the scheme helps yes with that. i mean they yep. they were so creative in dialing up you know different types of running plays we saw that really in the iron bowl for sure and against georgia so i think the scheme helps with that i'm not and i don't think he's a bad run blocker i just think he's a better pass protector and so I, i'm with you if you had to pick one this is the one i would want to especially when you've got a receiving group coming in that we feel like could get some separation, which Auburn's been lacking. To get separation, you need protection. You need yeah. to let the play develop. If you got a dude that can protect you on that side and let you step up in the pocket and wait that extra two seconds to let these dudes get open, huge, huge. I mean, so great get by Auburn. Much needed shot in the arm from the portal uh, at a position of need. Mm-hmm. And look, all these, all five of these offensive linemen, and really, I think there's going to be seven or eight guys that are competing for playing time here. But all of these guys being available in the spring, I think, is huge. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think that's mm -hmm. an underrated thing. And, and Auburn had that a year ago. I don't think they added, I guess they added Muskrat over the summer. They did. And Cinda. They added Cinda like right before fall camp. So all of these guys coming in right, uh, right before, I guess, as the spring semester is starting is absolutely huge. And I think there's some other guys that they like, like Tate Johnson, I think will be in the conversation just as staff likes Tate Johnson, which is good. Um, Seth Wilfred, the Juco player that signed late, I think he'll be a part of the conversation as far as the 2 deep. He may be one of your backup, either left tackle or right tackle. And we keep hearing how much this staff likes Tyler Johnson. I think Tyler Johnson, if they hadn't have gotten Percy Lewis, or some offensive lineman via the portal they felt like they could plug and play at left tackle. I think Tyler Johnson was going to get reps. I think they were going to kind of take some time out of practice to look at him as a starter too. So the fact that now there's this clear two deep, um, I love it, Daryl. Like, I, I just think the, the situation that this coaching staff has built in this room is absolutely tremendous. You make a great point on Wilfred because I felt like last year that Tutal Miller wasn't going to play significant snaps. He did. Similar situation. Juco totally. kid coming right. in. So, yeah, I, I would fully expect him to be, Wilfred to be in the two deep, along with Tate Johnson, who has already got experience, right? I mean, playing on Auburn's offensive line. You have a true seven, eight, nine dudes, two deep that you can rotate in and out. And that, is really significant. That's where you start building depth along your lines of scrimmage is when you start really competing for championships. Yeah, and you've got three or four tackles. You've got three or four guards. The most irreplaceable guy is Connor Lou.
Yes. Connor Lou. But Percy Lewis signing with Auburn last night is huge because, like you said, he makes two positions better. That entire left side of the offensive line just got a little bit better. All right, Daryl. Um, recruiting happening this weekend. We'll go over some of the names that we're looking at. And of course, then a conversation with uh, with our friend Elijah McAllister. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. The NFL regular season's behind us, but it's time for the postseason, the playoffs. You want to get in on the action? Uh, so many parlays, and they make it so easy at FanDuel.com to, to really bet and play however you want to. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets. Win or lose, like I said, it's easy to use. They've got live same-game parlays. You can find bets in their new Explore tab, which is really fun. You also can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. That's the best way to find popular parlays. And, of course, they have so much more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to make your first bet a layup. Vandal's the official sports betting partner of the NFL and the Locked On Podcast Network. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Daryl Daprich, our guest, could be an exciting weekend on the plane. Some of the guys visiting this weekend that I'm particularly excited about, and there are several offensive linemen. We'll get to them in a second. But Derek Smith, the wide receiver from Selma. Mm-hmm. Auburn is leading with this guy based on pretty much everyone you talk to. Marcus Davis is all over this kid. Four-star across the board. Some places list him as an athlete. Some places list him as a wide receiver. But this Derek Smith kid, I think he's the real deal. Heard a lot of early reports that he is going to be the dude in the state of Alabama as far as receiver. Right now, he's a four-star. That could change, but I've just heard a lot of people rave about him being the number one rated receiver out of the state of Alabama. And For us old-timers, Ben Amamanu was a kid that came from Selma and was a wide receiver. That worked out pretty good. Um, liked the kid, looked at, his, looked at some of the – when I saw his name pop, two weeks ago that is somebody that Auburn was leading with. I started to just look at some of the things, his measurables and that kind of thing. And I, I think he's another one that's going to shoot up the ratings, get an extra star maybe. But even if not, even even if he doesn't, I love the fact that Auburn could get, stop me if you've heard this before, the number one rated receiver in the state. Oh, yeah. There's that's a trend right. there. I mean, how sweet would it be if Auburn started becoming known over the next few years as wide receiver, you, you if know, that's, that's just, I mean, th- that's been the thing holding this program back yeah, is passing. Exactly. Exactly. So, and receivers. I mean, they didn't, they haven't put many receivers in the league. No, you're Darius right. Slayton pass, is doing yeah. well. The passing game as a whole, it just hasn't, it hasn't worked out. So th- that'd be huge. Derek Smith, certainly one to watch. Uh, potential top 100 player when it's all said and done. And this is the 2025 class. All these guys are 2025 kids. Two offensive linemen, Daryl, that I'm really excited about. One is Tavares Dice. This is a true offensive tackle. We talk about Percy Lewis's size. Uh, Tavares Dice, 6'6", 275. 
four star across the board with the exception of on three. Everybody else has him as a four star on three has him as a three star. And it seems like Auburn is leading with this guy. And as many guys as you can get from Langston Hughes high school, mm. just sign it up. If, if Auburn can create a pipeline of Langston Hughes, I mean, st good luck stopping what Hugh Freeze is building on the recruiting trail. Six six two seventy five tells me he's got a massive frame that can add a lot of weight. I mean, yep. you obviously no no one's going to play offensive tackle at the SEC level at two seventy five, but it's six six three twenty. Yep, uh, a menace. Uh, you know, so nice size as far as framework to to add more raw ability, as you mentioned, four star, and then that program is churning out dudes that just play at the next level, like you said, Langston Hughes. So I, I this is a this is a nice one. Another trend of getting some guys along the line of scrimmage uh, at the high school level as well. It's nice to get some portal offensive linemen, but you better. The reason why Auburn can go too deep to next year is because they finally two years ago got stinking high school offensive linemen. That's right. And you're watching them come into their own and develop. So that's why they can go too deep. You're never going to be able to go too deep if you have to get nine dudes in the portal every year. From the mm -hmm. offensive line. So the reason why Auburn can go too deep this year is because of offensive line recruiting two years ago, which was barren. This kid continues in that tradition. Yep. Another offense, and that is Tavares Dice, the offensive tackle from Langston Hughes. Great name, Next, too, by the way. Oh, I think so. No need to I roll the dice. He's a no dice player. when you try to get to the quarterback. That's what no I'm saying. No dice. Yeah. Uh, another 2025 offensive lineman. This, uh, this player, more of an interior guy, probably a guard at the college level. But Mal Waldrop, three stars pretty much across the board. Uh, Rivals has him as a four-star. But look, this is a kid from Central Phoenix City. Alabama really wants this kid. And I think Alabama is the favorite. But I think it was Cole Pinkston that wrote about it a few weeks ago. Like, Mal Waldrop, he likes Auburn. He likes Auburn and the staff. And, you know, I don't. I think Cole kind of added the caveat. I was like, look, I'm not picking Auburn right now. But he keeps paying attention to what this staff is doing and so he's he's worth watching and obviously you talk about building a pipeline auburn's got to figure out how to build a pipeline at central get as many kids from central as you possibly can mal waldrop 64 280 the interior offensive lineman from central he's uh he's expected to visit this weekend sometimes a three-star in a particular school is more valuable or more important than you get that maybe a low four-star from a school in, let's say, Mississippi. And central Phoenix City is one of those areas. Since the time Auburn swung and missed on Jevion Cohen and thought he was coming to Auburn and he flipped and went to Alabama, getting you want to continue that pipeline. So I don't give a crap that he's a three-star in most services. A three-star offensive tackle from that or offensive lineman from that school is crucial because, like you said, the pipeline, you keep it going. Plus, you know that they're used to winning culture and playing at a high level of football. So yeah. it's more important to me where he's from in this scenario than what as far as an extra star. Yeah, good point. It's kind of like uh, Caleb Harris in this class. It's like, yeah, yes. he's a three-star. From Thompson. Yep. He's very Amen. good. And uh, if you're good at Thompson, you could be good at the next level. There's no question yep. about it. So similar thing with Mal Waldrop, the interior offensive lineman from Central. And it's like, look, Mal, you enjoyed playing with Cam Coleman before, I'm sure. Come do it again. And Gentry Come do it again. is here. Familiarity with Dylan Gentry. That's right. The preferred walk-on, you know, uh, that that's there. Familiarity matters, and mm -hmm. uh, I love it. Yep. 
Another guy that's coming, uh, Andrew Maddox. He's a defensive lineman from Oak Grove over in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, 6'3", 270. Ole Miss kind of seems to be the favorite right now, but on threes, Jeffrey Lee reporting that he'll be in here uh, in Auburn this weekend as well. And it sounds like all these kids are going to be doing their thing throughout the day, and then that 5 o'clock tip against LSU, um, let Bruce Pearl – uh, let Bruce Pearl's program kind of do a little bit of the selling for sure. It's beautiful. You know, that is where this, this, the absolute uh, camaraderie and yes. the chemistry between programs, people under can't undersell or oversell it enough. When you're a high school kid and you're going to sit there in that environment and see that the love that fans give Auburn athletes, I think it's impactful. And I yeah. think that, you know, when Auburn gets it rolling from a football standpoint again, you'll see the flip side of that if Bruce Pearl has basketball players at some of the football games. Same thing. It, it's infectious. It gets in your blood, and it becomes something that you really, really remember. It's huge. It's absolutely huge to, to, to be able to use them and use the basketball program as a recruiting tool. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. So, yeah, that is Andrew Maddox, the defensive lineman from Oak Grove in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. All 2025 kids. We'll see if um, we'll see if Auburn gets closer to sealing any of the commitments from these guys over the weekend. Daryl, before we jump into our conversation with Elijah McAllister, good stuff. You don't want to miss it. How can people check out everything you've got going on and how can they hear from you over the weekend? Well, first of all, you can follow me on X, which I hate saying that. I'd much rather say Twitter, but DAP6410. And then, you know, hey, man, after that LSU game Saturday, Woo. you and I will go live on the postcast. And it will be nice to not go live when the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon is playing in the other room. Uh, it'll be nice to go live at a decent hour. We don't mind doing it. We love it. People like to bask in the glow of a win. So we'll be doing that Saturday night after the LSU game, hopefully celebrating another dub. Yep, no question about it. All right, so coming up, Elijah McAllister. Talks about the future of this program, who can step up, and so I think a lot of good stuff you want to hear about Hugh Freeze as well. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. You want to download the Game Time app. It's the best way to buy tickets. Look, you're excited about going to all these events. You don't want to be stressed out and worried about buying tickets to your next big event. They've got great last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and the best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. They are so confident that they will give you the best price for your ticket. They offer, what do they call it again? They offer it the game time guarantee. So that means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets cheaper somewhere else that are in the same section and row, they will credit you 110% of the difference. So head over to game time right now, download the game time app, create an account, use code locked on. You'll get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply again Create an account and redeem code locked on L O C K E D O N for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're now joined by Auburn Jack linebacker, former Auburn Jack linebacker, Elijah McAllister. So uh, thankful for your time, man. And it's been cool to see over this past year 
since you've been here at Auburn. I mean, you kind of hit the ground running. I mean, named captain and then just became loved by the Auburn family. I mean, it, it feels like you've been here so much longer than just this past year. Yeah, I mean, I think that speaks volumes to, you know, my consistency and how I show up every single day and then the opportunity that my teammates and coaching staff gave me uh, coming here, you know, from Vanderbilt and, you know, being able to leave, uh, allowing my teammates, allowing me to lead them. And the coaches giving me uh, the authority to do that as well through my consistent actions. It's been amazing just to be able to be a part of the Auburn family. And I feel like, like you said, I've been here for years. Yeah. Yeah, which I think is a, an incredible compliment and testament to you. No question, no question about it. You talk about leadership. Last time you and I spoke one on one was at SEC Media Days, and you talked about leadership and coming in, and you kind of hinted at it there. Hugh Freeze talks about leadership publicly all the time, and I'm sure a lot of head coaches talk about it, but it seems like Coach Freeze talks about it publicly more than others. Were yeah. those kind of some of the things that you and him talked about maybe in his office when you guys were prepping for the season? Yeah, I would talk to Coach Freeze a lot and uh, other you know coordinators and position coaches about you know, what they need from me as a leader, how I can best benefit the team, what I can do to elevate our play on the field on Saturday and our practice uh, through Monday through Friday. You know, leadership is important. It's a unique uh, skill that people you know, need to have in order to be successful in this game. Uh, it doesn't have to be just the captains or the coaches or the coordinators. It needs yeah. to be everybody. Everybody has have some type of leadership quality within them in order to lead themselves first, lead their position group, and then try to lead their side of the ball. And in turn, it'll, it'll filter through the whole team. So uh, leadership is important to me, obviously, but I definitely met with Coach Freeze uh, weekly or every other week just to kind of figure out what he needed from me in order to best service the team. So when you were looking at schools after you entered the portal when you were when you were done with your time at Vandy, you could have gone several places. Why did you pick a place where it was a clear kind of rebuilding situation? It's a first-year head coach and a new coaching staff. What stood out about Auburn for you to say, yes, this is where I want to be? Yeah, I mean, the first thing is the tradition and the fan base that you know we have. I mean, everybody knows that this place can be a top-tier college football program because it has been in the past and more recently than people want to give it credit for. Um, and I think, you know, that vision of, you know, setting that foundation for the future uh, helped, you know, lead me here. And then the fan base here. I love Auburn. I love the people around Auburn. I love the fans. I love the community. I love the food places. I love everything about Auburn. Um, like I said, I feel like I've been here for years. And those two things that kind of stuck out to me as well. Uh, then the relationship, you know, I had um, built, you know, throughout the recruitment process with Coach Freeze and just being able to have the ability to uh, lead and come in and, you know, set the foundation for the future. It was important to me because, you know, I'm a person that likes to, you know, set foundations, uh, be a pioneer for certain things and uh, continue to do that in a positive way. Seemed like there are several guys in your transfer portal class that was like that. Gunnar Britton came on the show last week and he told me he was telling some of the, the high school commits that were coming in that he got to meet. He's like, look, I'm not going to win an SEC championship here, but you are. And I mean, that that's a pretty powerful mindset to be aware of like, look, I, I'm happy to pave this foundation for you guys because that's what I wanted to be a part of. I mean, what's that mindset like? Because I mean, you pretty much just said the same thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I believe in life is all about sacrifice and, you know, sacrificing your own personal you know, things for the greater good of somebody else is important. And, you know, sacrificing my time, uh, my last college career per se, and a season that some may look at as like, well, it wasn't a positive, but for me, got the opportunity to lead. I got the opportunity to touch and impact so many younger kids and so many kids throughout the roster um, that are on the team now. And then the future uh, commits and recruits coming in, 
that they know they have the belief, a belief system within that locker room, belief systems within uh, their families, within their heart, they can and will go into SEC championship. What do you think the future of this program looks like, Elijah? What do you think a realistic timeline should be? Well, I mean, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, program change happens as fast as the players want it to happen. And to say realistic, I don't really know. It's just depending on what happens inside sure. the locker room. But my belief um, is in the coaching staff and the players that they're getting uh, through recruiting. And I believe, you know, in two, three years, um, probably two, especially with the playoff expanding, I think we can see um, these guys, these guys like Keldrick Folk become juniors and seniors that class. And um, the class coming up, the freeze, potential five, um, Zimonte Waller, uh, a little Riddick, uh, Jojo, all those guys are, you know, back in their sophomore year, junior year, senior year, you know, they're flirting on, you know, back in the year two, three, and four because their players right now, they're going to only going to get better. So, How good is this freshman class to just step foot on campus? I mean, they seem pretty solid. Yeah, I've been around college football a long time. I've seen a lot of freshmen come in um, through bowl practices, through summer workouts, and come in, you know, try to make their mark and just seeing the way they move, uh, who they are as kids, and, you know, seeing how they continue to show up every single day with the mindset they wanted to work and get better is important. And obviously the physical tools that God gave them are there. They wouldn't be at Auburn if they didn't have it. But it's about the intangibles and the mental side of the game that's going to set them apart from the rest of their you know, peers, whether that's within Auburn or outside of in, in the SEC. And I'm you know, excited to see that future for them. But from me personally, what I've seen in the you know, month I've been with them is just uh, countless, you know, countless hours of work you know, tirelessly just continuing to grind, grind, grind because they want to be great. Yeah. What stands out about Keldrick Falk? I mean, he's a guy that so many people talked about throughout fall camp and, and, and really ever since he stepped foot on campus. But you don't really see true freshmen come in and play as much as he did uh, on the defensive front. But usually that jump from freshman year to sophomore year for guys that are as talented uh, as him, it's usually pretty substantial. Are you expecting that for him? Yeah, I mean, 100%. I don't want to put any pressure or anything on him, but I know, you sure. know the, the path is going to be paid by God and whatever God has for him, it will be. But, you know, I think what's unique about Keldrick Falk and just from the outside looking in, people can say, you know, five-star kid, really big, athletic, played a ton of snaps, but when, you know, we watch the tape, when I watch the tape, you see flashes of being a dominant player already as an 18-year-old freshman in this league against the best of the best. So it only you only can imagine when you have that confidence, that age. I talk about those man muscles you you get to grow in your 2021. 20, um, just him being able to be a dominant player consistently throughout uh, the year. I mean, you see it on tape already. And he's 18 and flashes, and normally guys have flashes, you know, throughout their career. But this is so early for him that you know I can almost you know it's almost predestined that he's going to be able to do what he do. Um, sure. Consistent. So. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite moment at Auburn? Can you narrow it down to one? Oh man. Um, well, personally, it was my, my first sack, uh, was the first game of the year. And it was, you know, my first time, you know, wearing an Auburn uniform, first game of the year. And I was able to go out there and represent my family. I was going to us and then get my first sack. And it was just amazing. So that was my favorite probably moment personally, just cause I had, you know, been through a lot. I wasn't sure the last you know, month of transport was pretty hectic in December. Um, mm -hmm. and just kind of hitting the ground running at Auburn. You know, that whole year was just everything was happening so fast and I didn't really get able to sit down, you know, like breathe a little bit. And that was kind of that breathing moment. And then as a team, 
you know, um, just being able to connect with those guys in the locker room and become bowl eligible was important uh, to me. Uh, also important to that coaching staff and important to the guys in the locker room because, you know, uh, we wanted to be able to come together and, you know, reach a common goal. Although it didn't finish the way we wanted to, it's guys that came from all the way across the country, almost, you know, 40-something new guys just barely knowing each other, just trying to come together, represent ourselves and the Auburn, you know, family well. So those are my two favorite moments. Yeah, a big topic every December outside of the portal and early signing day is, you know, if players should play or not in the bowl game. Did it ever cross your mind to, to sit out for the bowl game? No, it didn't. I'm a big believer that you take nothing for granted. And yeah. When you were 10 years old, you weren't like, well, I'm only going to play this game and this game <laughs> because of this and this circumstance dictates this and this circumstance dictates that. And that's yeah. kind of, you know, how I'm wired as a human being. And that's really good. It's like a lost art in the world nowadays. Everybody only does things based off if the circumstance can benefit them, whether they want to stay at a school, whether they want to, you know, whether it's NIL or commit to school, whatever, like play. Everything's predicated off of their circumstance instead of just, being who they're supposed to be and show up and be consistent every single day, which is, you know, what I value as a human and everybody's situation is different. You know, obviously I would have more things to consider if I was uh, another named guy and, you know, had some, some, um, you know, some guarantees in, in other areas in life. Sure. So I'd have to obviously think about it and everybody's situation is circumstantial. But for me personally, I do know that I value uh, the ability to finish things out with my teammates, uh, building those bonds, those brothers, and also never taking anything for granted because, I, I didn't have anything growing up and, and to take advantage of a, a game or an opportunity would, would, would be disrespectful to the game and, and everything I worked for. Yeah. Elijah, it seems like your faith is important to you. And with everything you do, I, I can kind of see how it impacts you. You talk about leadership and the way you know you want to set a foundation and then with your nonprofit giving back to community. Um, how does that, how does your faith play into to who you are, not only as a football player, but as a, as a human? I mean, it means everything to me. It's how I lead my life. And, you know, when people from the outside looking in, you know, can sing my praises and, and talk about who I am and how I show up for my teammates, my family, my friends, this community, uh, the football team, it's predicated off of two things. And that's confident and consistency. Like confidence and consistency is important for me because I know I can be, confident within myself because I know I'm working to the, for the approval of God, not for the approval of man. So I can walk in every day and be like, well, I'm good. I know who God called me to be and I'm great. Not in an egotistical way, but I know I'm, I'm working to, towards the approval of him and not for anybody else on this earth or anything. Um, then that allows me to be consistent and show up every single day, which is why I'm able to be voted captain, which is why my teammates can lean on me and, you know, um, feel this, you know, sense of uh, responsibility to ask me, ask of things of me because they feel, you know, I have that confidence and consistency because I know who's my maker and he's important to me. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that. So you've played for multiple head coaches and it seems like Hugh Freeze's message of, of faith and really, you know, encouraging his players to pursue Jesus. And it sounds like he brings up um, almost kind of like sermons and in, in team meetings from time to time. Do you think, can you tell a difference culturally with what kind of impact that could have at Auburn? Yeah, I think it have a great impact in Auburn, particularly because of where it is and how our community is in Auburn. Um, you know, a lot of times, and not speaking of any head coach I've had previously, but a lot of times head coaches, they make a ton of money. Uh, they're at the, these top programs. They can get any recruit they want pretty much, and they can feel like their life's perfect and nothing can go wrong. And they kind of talk down uh, to players or kind of can feel like, you know, their, their word is all. 
But Coach Freeze teaches us lessons from the Bible and from the book and allows us to understand that he's not perfect and that, you know, he's just like every single one of us, a son of God and a sinner, and he's going to continue to uh, work towards becoming a better person like anybody should every single day in every single way. And that allows us to have more of a respect for him because he's not coming from a place that he's bigger and better than anybody else. He's coming from a humble place, which is what God will want. And that allows us to respect him more. And then yeah. in turn, it allows you to be more comfortable with your head coach because you feel, okay, he's not talking down to me. Everything's coming from a place of love, coming from a place that God has you know, spoke to him and continue to teach us the right things throughout um, every single day. And it allows us to be you know, a better team. So I think it'll help uh, the Auburn you know, community and the team in the future. When Freeze got here, it took us, the media, the fan base, it took us like four or five press conferences to really adjust and understand like we don't have to play this whole this is what he said, this is what he actually meant. Like he's telling you <laughs> exactly exactly what he thinks almost almost too much arguably. Yeah. Is he that way in meetings and watching tape and on the practice field as well? And how do yeah. players respond to that? Yes, I mean he's 100% who he is with you guys, with us, with the coaching staff, he's consistent and he is who he is every single day. So, I mean, that, that is funny that you say that because, you know, in a way when you're, you know, 18, 19, what a coach says may, you know, rub you the wrong way, but he's being honest with you and coming from a place of love. He's like that in the meeting room and every, everywhere. So um, that allows you not to really have to walk on eggshells and wonder what somebody thinks about you. Because yeah. he's going to tell you straight up, like, this is where you stand in our program. This is what I want from you. This is where I see you. And this is where, you know, you could go in the future if you change your habits and, you know, continue to be better for yourself, for your family, and for this program. So I think it, it breeds a healthy environment because you're never second-guessing and looking over your shoulder like, what's going on? How do I operate today? How does this person feel about me? You know, everybody's honest and up front. It's an open book. Elijah, you split snaps with Jalen McLeod, the other uh, the other standout Jack linebacker this past season. He's returning for another year. Um, what kind of what kind of production could we see out of him next year? Well, like I same thing I said with Keldrick. I don't want to put any you know pressure sure. you know on him, but obviously once you guys saw he got healthy throughout the back half of the season, what the numbers were, and again, if you take that what I've seen in practice. I have no problem with outwardly saying that he's going to be a double-digit RCC guy. He believes that he will and can be. He has all the ability in the world. He has a coaching staff to do that and the opportunities to do that. It's just a matter of staying healthy and doing it because, you know, I, I'm i a guy who saw it every day in practice and saw it during the game and played with him and the types of rushes that, you know, he had and the opportunities that he did leave out on the table but still, you know, came back with some past and ended the year so. I'm confident in his all-SEC ability and his double-digit sack ability. Yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like there was a lot of really unfortunately timed injuries towards the end of fall camp, and, and Jalen was was one of those guys. Yeah. And yeah. that's just a bummer that that happened. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. What's next for you, Elijah? What are we working on in regards to the NFL draft? Yeah, so I'm, I'm training right now, um, continuing to work towards, you know, bettering myself uh, physically, mentally, everything in between, you know, continuing to, you know, Work to an opportunity to put my best foot forward in pro day, and then uh, we'll go from there. I just, you know, left the College Gridiron Showcase in Fort Worth for the All Star Game, and you know, talked to a handful of scouts, and you know, it was good to kind of get to know where I stand, uh, what I need to work on, and hopes to, you know, continue to get opportunity uh, to play the game that I love. And you know, besides that, I'm I'm still taking my PhD courses right now uh, this spring, which is 
a unique situation, uh, but I'm continuing to learn uh, academically, which I still enjoy. So just yeah. doing everything, like I always say, God called me to do, just doing it the best of my ability. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for everything that you've done for Auburn, Elijah, and uh, best of luck with everything moving forward. Thank you so much. I always appreciate you, your show, all your support. And I, I, I tune in all the time. I see Jason on here and Hank. So uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much to Elijah McAllister. Thank you so much to Daryl Dapperts for hanging out with us on today's edition of Locked on Auburn. We are over 15,000 subscribers. Thank you so much to all of you. It's incredible. Um, very, very humbling. Thank you guys so much for supporting the show. Daryl and I will be back tomorrow. Don't miss it. Click that subscribe button. We'll see you then. This has been Locked on Auburn. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.